friends and family. Through the power of technology, I get to be in two places at once. Not only do I have the privilege of being here with you in Kalamazoo, but I'm also in Nigeria with uh, Bishop David Oyedepo right now at his church that seats 50,000 people, and they do three services, and we're going to be there for all of them. So it's going to be a great time. I can't wait to share some of the stories with you, but I wanted to be here with you still today and bring a word that I really think is going to encourage you straight from the word. I know that it's a little bit different as I'm teaching from the screen. Usually I'm in person. And so what I want to encourage you to do, don't act like you're watching TV or a movie. Uh, Would you engage with me? You know that one person when you go to the movies and they sit there and they kind of talk back to the person on the screen and they, they ask you what's going to happen and why it's happening as if you've seen more of the movie than them. You know, that kind of feedback that's okay to give during this message. I mean, don't talk about like what's going to happen, never, but, but do give me some feedback, okay? So we're actually going to practice right now. All of you over here on my left side, can you give me a little feedback, a little amen? Okay, okay, that's all right. Everybody over here on the right side, can you give me a little bit of feedback? Let me know you're here, a little whoop whoop. All right, that's all right. Right in the middle, let's show them, let's show them how to do it right now. Just, just come, a little cheer, a little clap. You guys there? All right, all right, so we're all together. Hey, today I want to bring a a word that I think is going to encourage you. And we are in a series about face-to-face encounters with Jesus. So I want to talk to you about a face-to-face encounter that Moses had with Jesus. Now, I know some of you might actually know your history and timeline and think, wait a minute, Moses and Jesus, there was like thousands of years between the two of them. Now, how did Moses have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus? Well, I actually want to show you that from the scripture. So if you could do this with me, if you could open in your Bible to Exodus chapter 17, I want us to begin to just walk through the story of soon after the children of Israel came out of Egypt. There were hundreds of thousands of them. God was leading them to a place that he called their promised land. They had only been out of the land of Egypt for about a month and a half, maybe two months They're just learning to trust God. They didn't know how to worship God. They didn't know how to believe God. They didn't know everything that was coming at them. They got to a place in the desert where they were without any water. They went and they checked out all the streams, nothing available. It's getting hot. They're starting to complain. They're starting to think about what might happen if they don't get any water. So, of course, what do you do when you don't have something? You complain about it. And that's exactly what they did. They began to complain to Moses and about God. And they said, is God even among us or not? So we start in this story in Exodus chapter 17. And it says this in verse 2. They said to Moses, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? And why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? They're sitting there and blaming Moses and saying, you're not wanting to bring us into the promised land. You're trying to kill us. Like we're going through hard times right now and it's your fault. Well, Moses does the right thing. In verse four, it says, Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They're about ready to stone me. 
And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also, take in your hand your rod which, with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people may drink. So Moses did so in the sight of all the elders. Think about that picture right there. God is demonstrating something in the Old Testament that really shows up again in the New Testament. Right there, it's a picture of the salvation and the power of God that was demonstrated at the cross. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it talks about the children of Israel following Moses through the Red Sea. They were being provided for by God. But in verse 4, it says this, that they all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. You see, when Moses came and he struck that rock, it wasn't just this ordinary rock that was sitting there. But the Bible says that was a picture of Jesus who was providing salvation. When he went to the cross, all the power, all the provision of God was provided right there on the cross. When he was struck, the judgment of God came on him and everything that God has for you, all of those promises were made available for us because of what Jesus did at the cross. What Moses was walking through right there and what we read in the Bible, it's an example of that or a picture of what Jesus was going to do. Now we see this here that even in Isaiah chapter 53, verses four and five, it says, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. And so Isaiah is even saying about how Jesus would be stricken, he would be struck, and that would pr provide our healing and the blessing and the promises of God that he had for us. Now, in a number of other passages that you read through Hebrews, and even when we get into 1 Peter, it says this, that Jesus died, but he only had to be struck one time. Now, this is important because of where we're going with it. But in 1 Peter chapter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, he was put to death in the body that, that you may be made alive in the spirit. So look at this. Jesus died once for all time. Now just remember that. Kind of highlight it. Make a mark of it. He died once. God is trying to get something across to us here about the sacrifice that Jesus made. That it was only necessary one time. Not multiple sacrifices. It was complete. It was thorough. It provided everything that we need. Now let's get back to that Exodus passage there because I want you to understand what's happening there. You have uh, Moses being complained to and complained about by the people. So what God does is he says, okay, let's bring this whole situation to court. And so you have the accusers who are the people. He says, bring those people out with you, but grab the elders. The elders are the witness. And Moses, I want you to stand right there you're going to be the judge, and I'm going to stand before you on the rock. 
So God takes the stand as his accusers come out and complain against him. It's interesting because throughout the Bible, though God says, I'll go before you, he doesn't say, I'm going to stand before you. Really, the Bible says that men are to stand before God and give account to him. But God is reversing the picture and he's preparing us for the cross because he's saying, but I'm going to stand in that place of judgment. And all these judgments that, that, that you're making, I'm going to take them on myself. And I'm going to stand on that rock. And Moses, I want you to take the rod in your hand. And I want you to strike the rock. That rod represents the punishment uh, of that should go on God's people, that should go on those who are disobedient. But God said, I'm going to take it on myself. And when the punishment comes on me, I'm going to provide salvation for you. Now, that's good news right there. And that's something that we have to celebrate, to think about what God did for us. Moses is seeing Jesus standing before him right there on that rock, that rock that provided the water and saved those people. If you continue reading in the New Testament, you'll see passages where Jesus said, man, if anyone believes in me, he'll never thirst. Or there's that passage in uh, John chapter 4 where he's talking to the Samaritan woman. And he said to her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. So all these things that we see in the Old Testament are really a picture of what Jesus does in the New Testament. In fact, we've heard it said that in the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed. In the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. And that's what we see happening here. But then there's this other story. And it's an interesting story because it parallels the first one, where later on, maybe about 40 years later, as the children of Israel, they were still in the desert. They hadn't got into the promised land yet because of their refusal to listen to and believe God. And so they've been going around and around in the desert. And though God made promises, they hadn't entered in yet. And God was merciful to them over and over again. He was sustaining them. He was taking care of them. But we get to Numbers chapter 20. And I want to look at another passage, another story, very similar to what we just read. So here we are 40 years later. And they find themselves in the desert again with no water. And what do you do when you don't have water? What do you do when your needs aren't being met and you feel like this is beyond my control? There's nothing I can do about it. Well, of course you complain, right? Because that's what people do. We don't take responsibility. We don't ask God. We just complain about it. Well, maybe not you, but that's what they did. And I hope it's not you. But we get back here in Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. It says, now there was no water for the congregation. So they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up, to this whole assembly of the Lord, into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come out of Egypt as if it was... Moses' fault that God set them free from bondage, as if that's a bad thing. He said, you brought us out to this evil place. It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. What they're saying to Moses right there is, 
you told us that God has a promised land for us. And here we are, we've been marching around with you all these years, and the promises aren't yet fulfilled. That kind of reminds us of situations we find in, ourselves in, right? Where we, are, we know God has promises. And yes, he's done things in our past, but some of those things that God has for us haven't yet been fulfilled in our lives. And we want to be careful that we don't fall into the same trap that the children of Israel did to where they said, this right here, this is not the promised land. And then they start to complain or they lose heart. That's what they're doing right there. And so Moses and Aaron, they do the right thing. They go from the presence of the people to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to God's God's house there. And they fell on their faces. And then look at this. The glory of the Lord appeared to them. Now, God is faithful, and he shows up at times like this. And it says this, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moses, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give them, uh, give them drink Give drink to the congregation and the animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. God gave him some instructions. He heard them as they prayed. He recognized the need that the, the congregation had. And he said, I've already made a solution. You know, every problem that we run into, it's not as if it's the first time God hears about it. And he doesn't have to think about what to do. He's already figured it out. He already had planted the rock there and made provision of the water for them. That's true in your life as well. Whatever problem that you're facing, whatever challenge, whatever struggle, there is already provision there available for you. We've got to look to God. Moses did that. He's off to a good start. And God gave him instruction. He said, okay, grab, grab your brother uh, Aaron with you. Grab that rod. Now, that was the same rod that Moses used to strike the rock earlier which, by the way, was the same rod that he used before Pharaoh. When he threw it down, it turned into a serpent. And then he picked it back up, and it turned back into a rod. This is that rod of judgment. It's the rod that he extended over the river in in Egypt, and it turned to blood. And it's the rod that God used uh, to bring the, the plagues, the flies, the frogs. It's that same rod of judgment, that same rod that he struck the Red Sea with and a part of the sea. That's the rod that Moses had in his hand when he struck the rock the first time, that rod of judgment. By the way, some people would even see this image here where in Genesis chapter 3.15, God said to the serpent, serpent, you're going to strike the woman's seed, his heel, which was a prophetic reference to Jesus coming. But the seed of woman, the Messiah, he's going to crush your head. And so some might even say this is a picture when Moses struck the rock with that rod, which had been a serpent. He struck at that rock, which would be like at the feet of Jesus, the serpent striking at his heel. But we know the end story that Jesus crushes the enemy's head. Now, back to this story right here. We're in Numbers chapter 20 still. Moses takes the rod. You have the people all gathered around. Moses is frustrated. 
He's angry because he's been going around and around with these people for 40 years, and they complain and they complain and they complain. And every time God shows up and he's faithful and he answers and he brings breakthrough, and it's as if the people forget what God did yesterday. They're not trusting in the faithfulness of God. They're not believing God, and they're blaming it on Moses, and Moses is a great leader. He's a humble man. He loves God, and time and time again, he, he falls on his face before the people because he loves the people, but Moses is getting a little bit irritated with the people at this point, and so yes, he went to the Lord, and he heard some instruction from God. And so he grabs that rod, that same rod that he struck the rock with before, and he grabs Aaron with him, and he goes out, and and the Bible says this. In verse 10, it says, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, hear now, you rebels. You can kind of sense the, the frustration in his voice. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Who is he addressing? He's addressing the people. But what did God tell him to do? Did God say, go and complain to the people or address the people or speak to them? No. He said, speak to the rock. But Moses, he's speaking to the people. And then Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock twice with his rod. It's interesting because if you look back at the Exodus story, you see that he only had to strike it once. And I imagine this is what happened, is that Moses took this rod that he was supposed to carry in his hand, still the rod representing the power of God. But instead of using the rod to strike the rock, he's supposed to speak to it. Instead, he strikes the rock. And I imagine everybody's waiting for water to flow again because many of them would remember what happened. And Moses is too. And it's nothing but crickets. Silent. No movement. No water. People are looking at Moses. Moses is starting to sweat. He takes his rod in his hand again. He said, it worked last time. It worked, it worked the, when, when God told me to do it before. I just struck it. It didn't work. And he strikes it a second time. God in his mercy, who loves his people, who doesn't want his congregation to die of thirst, who doesn't want his, his family to go without, He wants them to be provided for. He wants them to know that that he is their source. God in his mercy opened up the rock and water began to flow. It says this, that that, uh, water came out abundantly and the congregation and the animals drank. But that's not where the story ends. God then talks to Moses and he says to him and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given them. Wait a minute. What just happened there? God said to go to the rock and, 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 and he's going to bring water out of the rock. Just speak to it. Well, Moses goes to the rock and, and he strikes it and, and water comes. But God, he addresses Moses who had been faithful for 40 years with these people. He says, Moses, you're going to be bringing them into the promised land. But then we get to this point here where Moses makes what might even seem to be a small mistake. And he strikes the rock instead of speaking to it. And God says, because you did that, you don't get to enter into the promised land. What happened right there? 
Well, we already know that the first time that Moses struck the rock, that it was an example. It was a type or a picture of Jesus going to the cross. But what Moses did right here is he messed up the picture for the children of Israel and for the Bible. He messed up the picture because Jesus doesn't have to be crucified a second time. Jesus doesn't have to suffer a second time. There is no other sacrifice for our sins. There are no works of righteousness that we can accomplish. God is letting Moses and the children of Israel know that though the rock was struck the first time, now you only have to speak to it. In fact, he told Moses, thus you shall bring water for them out of this rock. Not by striking it, by, but by speaking to it. Speak to that rock. That's what God was saying to Moses. But he messed up the whole picture. And, and what God said is, you didn't regard me as holy in front of the eyes of all the people. Now they don't understand how I work. You're trying to demonstrate to them that it's by their works or by you know, punishment or discipline or all these things that they get the promises of God. But I want them to know that I'm a faithful God and that all that they need to do is, is come to me and hear my voice and come into agreement and believe me. And that's how they receive their promises. And it's not by their works and what they can do. It's not by their own effort, but it's by what I've already accomplished. That's what God is saying because when he accomplished it at the cross, Everything that we have need of was provided for us right there. And God was trying to communicate that to them back, back in, in numbers, but he's trying to communicate it to you right now. There is nothing that you have need of that you can earn, that you have to work for, that you have to prove yourself to God. There's no other sacrifice. There's nothing else God has to do that he hasn't done yet. It's already been provided for you through the cross. Now, our job as believers is to do exactly that. Believe. Believe what God said. Now, when we look at the mountain, we don't sit there and say, I've got to get a shovel and start digging to move this mountain out of my way. But Jesus said, speak to that mountain. You see, now we release words of faith. Because the power of God has already been provided through the cross. Now we access that and we speak out words of faith and we address our problems. You know, something that I think is so important, uh, Moses spoke to the people when he should have been speaking to the rock. Sometimes we need to stop complaining about our problems and, 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 and instead of that, we need to start speaking to our problems about what God has said. We need to make sure that, that we're doing what the Lord said where he said, talk to the rock. The people aren't the problem. The lack isn't the problem. The job's not the problem. Your kids aren't the problem. Your wife's not the problem. You might be a little bit of the problem, but you're not even really the, 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 the solution to it. You gotta go to God. Speak to your rock. Speak to Jesus. Jesus said, if you have need of anything, go to the Father and ask in my name, and it will be done for you. Over and over throughout the scripture, we see the power of God being released not by man's actions and his abilities, but by faith in the name of Jesus. Remember when Peter and John were going to the temple and and, uh, there was a guy who who was begging from him and they said, silver and gold, I don't have. I don't have anything in my own uh, treasure, my own ability, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he grabbed the guy by his hand and, and the power of God healed him. It flowed right through him when they spoke, when they spoke these words. This is what God is saying to us. Ask 
and you will receive. That's what he's wanting to communicate through Moses. That's what Moses found out when he met Jesus face to face. I want to encourage you, don't grow impatient. Don't grow impatient with God. Don't grow impatient with people. Because when you get impatient, sometimes you take things into your own hands. And if you feel like you have to take things into your own hands to achieve the promises of God, you might find yourself like Moses missing out on the promises of God. And none of us want to find ourselves in that situation. What we want to do is simply this. Look to the, the Lord. Look to Jesus. Look to what he's done. Find out what God says about your situation. And you begin to speak the promises of God. You begin to speak the faithfulness of God. You begin to declare these things over whatever situation you're in. And you watch the power of God flow right through your life. If there's something that, that you, you find yourself to where it's an impossible situation, an impossible, I don't know what to do, speak to the rock. Go to the rock. God, we're thirsty. God, we have needs. God, I don't know what to do. It is, there is no solution that I can see, but I know you have the solution. I know you've already made a way. I know you've already provided living water. I'm asking you to flow right now. This is a message that I hope encourages you because there, there is a God who is faithful to you and you can trust his word and you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough to access all the promises of God. He's already made them available at the cross. Now, as you dig into the word, you spend time in the Bible, you take time to talk to God, he's gonna speak to you. And what you've gotta do is say, yes, Lord, I believe it, I receive it, and I'm gonna act on that right there. What God told you to do last time may not be what he's telling you to do this time. That's why it's so important for us to come to Jesus, hear his sayings, and do them. That's my hope and prayer for you. Today, we're going to have someone close the service, but I want you to respond in your heart and think about the areas of your life where you might be trying to take it into your own hands or maybe do it the old way and allow God to speak to you and show you what he wants to do. I love you. I can't wait to be back with you. God bless you, Rock family. <laughs>